Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Dr. Susan Landers, who is a neonatologist. Dr. Susan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. Thank you. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Happy to have you on the show, and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Oh, wow. I uh, am currently retired after 34 years of practicing neonatology. That, That means I was in an ICU for babies taking care of premature and sick infants. And I did that full time and also raised three children. My husband is a physician to a pediatric nephrologist, that's children's kidney diseases. And so we had a very busy life and enjoyed having a family and enjoyed practicing medicine. And we both retired within the last five years. So um, everybody said, aren't you enjoying retirement? Aren't you just you know, loving the easy life. And I went, actually, it's pretty boring. (laughs) (laughs) And so I sat down and I wrote a book. And I wrote a book about my professional life, the adventures, my mom life. I put it all together, told stories about the NICU and stories about all my mom challenges. Because with three kids, they really did throw me a lot of curveballs. And so I was busy writing my book for several years. And now what I'm trying to do is practice generativity. Do you know what that is? No, please explain. Generativity is when you're old and you feel like you have some wisdom or knowledge to impart to others. And I might be older than some of your typical guests. I'm 70. I said, I've been retired for about five years. And I learned so many things along the way, being a professional working mother. You could insert the word professional working parent. When you work full time and you're raising a family, it is a paradox. It's it's really a paradox. And it's hard to do everything. It's hard to be a good parent. It's hard to be a good partner or spouse. It's especially hard to be a good mom or dad when you're pulled to your work or stressed by your work. And so what I want to do now is reach younger parents, younger working parents, and talk about the challenges and the ways to take care of themselves and let them know that what they're doing is really difficult. Probably there's some parents listening to your podcast with younger children. I am here to tell them that what they are doing, working and parenting, is really hard. It um, You can't read a book to do it correctly. And even if you do read a book, somebody else has a different opinion. And so I wanted to share my knowledge and my experience 
experience, not only in my book, but also in speaking and some webinars with um, couples, parents, maybe just working mothers. It's hard to know who's really interested. And reassure them that they will get through this, that it's difficult, and there are some tips and tricks to make it just a little bit easier. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love that. And so um, is that kind of, since you are retired, is that your like fun project now? Or do you do yes. other things for fun as well? Oh, I do other things for fun. I ring handbells in a church handbell choir. There we go. I play piano very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I chase around two grandchildren. Just today, I was at my granddaughter's uh, elementary school in South Austin, and they were having a fun run, and there I was on the sidelines rooting for her. Having a couple of grandkids around has just been wonderful. And, you know, I love watching my daughter be a working mom. She's busy. She's a pediatric ICU nurse. She's married to... Um, a chef who actually works as a product developer at Whole Foods. And they have a busy life. They're just like everybody else in their 30s and 40s. They're just trying to, you know, do their work, raise their kids, pay their mortgage, have family dinners, whatever it is that we all try to do. Um, they're trying to do it. And I'm just getting the biggest kick out of watching them um, discover how to put it all together because we all have our own little, oh, what's the word, combination. Mm -hmm. My husband was such a good helper. Oh, my God. He cooked and he shopped for groceries. I'm a terrible cook. But I did everything else. You know, I did the dentist and the pediatrician and the orthodontist and the school and the teacher and the nanny and the soccer team and the and the uniforms. And so I did all that other, that other stuff that he didn't care about. And we had a pretty good division of labor in our marriage, uh, raising our kids. I think that's one thing that younger parents are neglecting to do. They're neglecting to divide the labor equally. In the pandemic, you know, people were home during the pandemic. Timothy, and I heard surveys showed that for every one hour, the man did housework, household chores, or child care, his wife or his partner did five hours. Now, that's a pretty bad comparison. Wait, for every one hour, his wife did five hours? Yes. Yeah. For every one hour he did, the woman did five hours. If that's really what's going on, that's a great big reason why women are so burned out right now, being working mothers. I don't know if that's true. That, that came out of a survey from Motherly Magazine or Motherly Online. <clears throat> but they had thousands of women that, that participated in that. So, you know, I like to talk about how I made my husband do his fair share. And when I was at work at the hospital, he fed the kids, read to them, got baths, put them in bed. 
And so we did divide the labor and that made it easy for me to do what I love doing, which was be a neonatologist. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. So how did you hold your husband accountable? Mm. I'm sure there were times when he didn't want to do it or he would have rather chosen not to had it not been for some interference on your part. So how did you, how, what was the healthy accountability that was in your relationship that you would kind of tell younger parents to um, listen to and maybe implement for themselves? That's a great question. We talked a lot and we had date night, not every week. They say you're supposed to go out every week, but we did it at least every two or three weeks. And when we went out, it was, tell me what's going on with you. Okay, tell me what's going on with you. And I was like a lot of women, I think. I thought my husband could read my mind. I thought he (laughs) knew when I was stressed, when I was tired, when I just hated that teacher and I didn't want to go to that parent-teacher conference. And would he please do it this month? But he couldn't read my mind. And so I discovered over the years, if I told him how I was feeling, if I asked him for help, he actually, you know, I mean, he was the dad. He was committed to this family. He helped me. And so I think it was simply sharing our feelings and sharing our stressors. I had a much more stressful job than him. I did a lot more in-house hospital call. And maybe he felt sorry for me, and that's why I helped out so much. But he did. He helped out. And and when he didn't, I asked him to. Mm-hmm. I would make lists. I would write down things. Somebody's got to go get new shoes today. Somebody's got to do this. And we still need to get stuff for, for the lunches for next week. And I would give him a list. That's pretty pushy, but it worked for us. He put the list in his pocket, and usually he got the things that were on the list that I gave him. So the message is make your wants and needs um, clear, loud and clear. Share them with your partner or your spouse. Tell them how you feel. Here's another thing I learned about men and women in the early years of our marriage. Those great books by, um, I think his name is John Gray, Mars and Venus, were so helpful for me because um, men are from Mars and women are from Venus explained that women like to talk about their feelings. We all do. I mean, it's just what women do. We gab and we share and we talk about our feelings. Men, not so much. But when you do talk about your feelings and you do have a problem, men hear that and they want to fix it. They want to help you and take care of you and 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 find a solution. And that's not what women want. Women want to be heard, to be understood. And that book, When I read that book, I went, oh, now I get it. So there were times when I would tell him what I was stressed about. He would say, well, what are you going to do? What are you know, what's the plan? And I went, look, I'll just figure it out. I just want you to understand what's going on in my life. And I yelled at Ann yesterday, and I don't like yelling at my kids, and I don't like being distressed. I need you to help me. And so 
my sharing with him and telling him my feelings was a major opener to my being understood. Men cannot read the minds of their wives and partners. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm curious as to your opinion, and maybe this would be better coming from your husband since he's probably the one who had to work on it more. Um, but your opinion on the difference between just sitting back and making somebody feel understood versus reaching for the solution. Cause in my head, when I hear that, I'm like, mm. well, the only reason I need to understand is to solve the problem. <laughs> and so right. um, talk to us a little bit about understanding versus solving. Well, um, I guess it's true in medicine too. When we, there, there's a time for understanding what the problem is and there's a time for solving the problem. Like I would tell a mother of a sick baby, this is what your baby has and this is how, how the symptoms fit and this is what we're going to do to take care of them and it's going to take three or four days to get better and he'll be in the hospital maybe eight or nine days and she would understand and so I was allaying her fears by telling her what to expect. But I went in and gave the therapy and put the kid on the ventilator and gave the medications and did everything that was necessary and solved the problem. And so I think in marriages, it's a lot like that. Someone has to solve the problem. Someone has to just explain so they can be understood and when women ask for help from their husbands or partners they're usually asking for understanding if they want a solution or they want their partner to fix it I think they'll say can you help me fix this like when I would write things down and give him a list so the way you start this whole process, again, is the interaction with your spouse or partner. There's no hard and fast rule that I remember or I'm aware of or who does the understanding and who does the solution. Because it, it can go both ways. Yeah. And men have feelings too. And men like to be understood. It's just you guys are harder to open up. You guys are harder to understand sometimes. Um, and uh, my husband was like that. And we talked about feelings in our family. Feelings nowadays, you know, child psychologists talk about it a lot, saying that we have to name our feelings. We have to understand what we're feeling. Otherwise, it doesn't do us any good to um, feel them. We've got to see the whole process through, so to speak. And that's especially tr true for stress and for bad feelings. You have to work yourself all the way through that process. So I think in marriages and partnerships, especially around the issue of children, probably money too, but especially children, you have to understand each other and you have to know who the helper is, are you doing it together? Are you doing it alone? What's the plan? Um, what do you both think is the right thing to do? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I love that. I think um, 
that situation where one is like needing to be understood and one is in a position to understand is what happens hopefully the most frequently but i feel like every now and then a situation pops up where one person's feelings may actually hurt the other person in the relationship and so not only is it hard to share but when it's shared that person gets more defensive than in a position right. of understanding so how would you um what would you say to young couples who have kids when it comes to a situation where both people are hurt, both people need understanding, but both want it first? If that makes oh, sense. wow. There, there's no way around that other than sharing your feelings and agreeing that you're in a bad situation and that you disagree about something. Um, nobody wins in parenting. Nobody wins in a marriage. Now, I've been married 39 years, and th there were plenty of times when I said, maybe I'd just be better out on my own by myself. Not plenty, two or three. And, but I never did that, and I never wanted to separate or get divorced because I really believe in marriage. And both of us had parents that were married forever, more than 50 years. And so we, we had role models for making a marriage work. But I thought that a partnership, especially parenting, has to be shared. It cannot be one person doing most of the work and the other person saying, oh, that's wonderful, dear. Good job, dear. And people fussed at me for letting my husband cook. People said, aren't you embarrassed? I said, no, I'm not embarrassed. I think that's great. If he can cook and he likes to take the kids to the grocery store, fine. I can get the laundry done while they're gone. So um, to answer your question, there's no easy way other than working through it, talking through it. Um, most couples are going to be able to um, make some progress. And if you can't make progress, if you are stalled out with your partner over an issue in parenting, maybe you need some help. Maybe you need some professional therapy. Uh, there were times in my being a working mom where I was so overwhelmed that I actually um, got personal therapy. Once David was, my youngest was, was three years old, and I was really busy in my work. He was biting and poking other kids. And I was just, oh, so frustrated because I did not know what it meant and what was wrong with him. And I was stressed at work. And so I went to talk to a, a therapist about being a working mother. And was it my fault that my kid was biting and poking and doing all these funny things? Well, all children go through phases like that. It's not abnormal at all. But I didn't know that. Here I was a pediatrician. I didn't even know that. And she and I talked about other issues, about my feeling guilty for not being at home more, my feeling guilty for loving my work, but being stressed at work. And so we went through all those issues. And we also talked about my marriage and whether or not I was asking my husband for help. So by my going to talk to a therapist, and it was pretty short term, it was only a couple of months, I think, about my son and about my stress, I actually became a better wife and a better mother because I shared more with my husband. 
And I said, you've got to help me. And he would say, you're doing fine. You're being a good enough mother. Don't worry. You're fine. And he did his job. He was a great dad. And he was especially wonderful because he would say to me, you're doing the best you can. And when you're really tired and really stressed, I'll take over. And so we learned early on to play off of each other in that way. I was really lucky. I I guess he's just a wonderful, kind-hearted pediatrician. You know, I just got lucky. I found somebody who likes children and liked parenting, and he was a good dad. So, But the answer to your question is you have to talk about it. You've yeah. just got to get in the weeds and talk about it. There we go. There we go. Have hard conversations. Yes. Awesome. Well, what is, um, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit here. What is the thing that really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Like, what was that motivating factor for starting to practice generativity? Uh, when I was practicing medicine, that thing was making a difference. Uh, healing children, talking to parents, working with nurses, being part of a great team. Oh, that was just so neat in neonatology and the NICU. It was just fun. The technical stuff was fun. The cutting edge stuff was fun. 95% of the time, the babies got better. It was just wonderful. And so the bottom line was making a difference. So now that I'm retired, in writing my book and in doing these other, you know, podcasts and social media posting and offering webinars, what I'm trying to do with generativity is make a difference. I want to take my stumbles, my trials, my challenges and tell other people, you're going to go through this and you're going to be fine and your parents and your children are going to love you. And yeah, you're going to have some mom guilt. But if you like your job, that's fine. You're going to be a better mother if you go off to a job you like. So I learned that it was okay to love being a doctor. And, you know, I I guess I got a lot of pats on the back for that. But I also loved being a mom. And so even though I couldn't balance it all the time, I enjoyed the heck out of both of them. So the answer to your question about generativity is I want to make a difference for younger working parents. I love it. I love it. Well, that's a perfect segue into dreams and goals. Tell us about your vision for generativity and just the rest of your life. Well, I want to um, do some webinars and ha- and make sure that I'm reaching the people that I think want to hear this, and I want to develop an online course. I have done lots of podcasts um, talking about my book, and the book is selling pretty well, and I want to do some in-person seminars. I always like teaching and small group discussions. So that's what I have going right now. My problem is I'm not very good at the tech stuff. So people keep telling me I need to hire a virtual assistant to help me with the tech stuff because I'm an old baby boomer. So there's no getting around that. 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to make a difference for younger working parents. Gotcha. Gotcha. There we go. Um, what are the top, so I guess you've kind of alluded to it already, but what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to start hosting those webinars, developing that course and doing those in-person seminars? Well, I think hiring a virtual assistant looks pretty um, mandatory and I need to know a little bit more about social media marketing. I don't know much about that, but I think that's where young mothers are. And I know they're listening to podcasts, which is why I'm talking to you and other people. Um, So I need a helper and I need to learn some specific things about marketing. And I need to figure out what's the most effective way to reach the people that I I think want to hear this message. I love it. I love I it. I still have a lot to learn. You know, one of the one of the best things that I learned, it's a it's a life lesson, is that if you can admit anywhere along your life trajectory, if you can admit what you do not know and you can ask for help, you will never go wrong. It is so important to say I don't, I don't know how to do that. Curiosity, wanting to learn something new is a sign, I think, of intelligence. Because when a physician says to a parent, I really don't understand this, but we're going to figure it out and I'm going to go home and do some reading. That's a sign of a really good doctor. When they know what they know and they know what they do not know. And So what I'm going to do is get some help and answer some of these questions so I can practice generativity better. (laughs) There we go. There we go. I think that is a fantastic idea, actually. Getting help and um, mentorship is just key to any success. And that humility is really the key because you won't even seek it out without the humility to do so. Just curious, have you ever thought about hosting your own podcast? Yeah, not really. My friends, my book club buddies, I'm in a wonderful book club. They say, oh, you ought to have your own podcast. I said, I don't know. There are a million podcasts. It's so much work. But I have a lot of fun talking to other people who have podcasts. So I guess not. I'm not sure. Um, I might do some YouTube videos, something like that. And I've done a lot of podcasts. I've been a guest on about 30 different podcasts. Why do you ask? Do you think I'd be a good podcaster? (laughs) I think you would be a good podcaster, but I think it would help you practice generativity, actually. So the whole Ah. purpose of this podcast, like you'll notice that my questions are really geared to help people get clarity on their dreams and then take that next step towards their dreams and goals. So it's kind of like a coaching session, honestly. Oh, and nice. I nice. think if you were to like bring 30 year old and 40 year old parents on your show and listen to some of the struggles they're having in parenting and then give some of the suggestions you have that are based oh. on your book, that would make great content for your social media and would literally what? attract. Your- what a great idea. Kind of like a little consultation. Exactly. So it's not a, a it's not a podcast to teach. It's a podcast to listen and talk. And oh, what a great idea! Yeah, so I that think- is that's brilliant. 
Because most podcasts interview experts and the experts just tell people this is the way you should do something. Yep. Yep. So, oh, what a great idea. I love that. I like that. Have regular parents come on as guests and they have a regular life struggle. And then we talk about what we know and what, what they should do about it and what they think about that. I love it. You Let even, me know if you get any feedback from your listeners about that idea. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I will let you know. And even like to find the guests, one, you could just work your network. I'm sure you have a pretty big network. Um, but two, you could advertise it as a free parenting consultation. And then right when the consultation starts, because it sounds like you love to talk to and pour into young parents anyway. I if do, they want to yeah. be recorded, great. If they don't, great. You just pour into them. But if they do, you have content for the podcast and you could do like one of these a day for 45 minutes. And like, you would have more than enough content. Like that'd be so much content. You know what I mean? You could post right. one every week, you know, one every two weeks. And it would be a real stress-free fun way to get content out there, pour into people. I'm sure it would light you up. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I do really enjoy that sort of more intimate one-on-one, one-on-two counseling, sitting down with parents. I miss that. I miss that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No. What a great idea. Thank you for giving me that idea. I love it. Of course. I'm happy to do it. Happy to do it. Well, awesome. What are the highest impact daily actions that you can take right now to move the needle forward towards getting your message out there on social media, hiring that VA and just getting your dreams to come to fruition? I have a, a lead for hiring a, a virtual assistant. I have a date to, to work with a guy uh, who says he's a social marketing expert. He has a podcast yep. that he he wanted me on. I, I didn't think, I mean, he's like really well known, but he's in New, in New Zealand. So it's going to be a time change thing. But so I have that set up. And I have a really good friend who has her own podcast. She's trying to reach physicians and talk about physician burnout. So I could talk to her about starting a podcast. You could. Really? So that's three steps, three definitive steps that I can take besides writing, besides blogging, besides the newsletter. What do you think about newsletters? Do do millennials like newsletters or not? Uh, email newsletters? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Like email marketing is still like number one on the like way to market online, mainly because it's like you own your list. So like right. a lot of businesses are valuable because of their customers. Right. And so their customers are like basically their email newsletter, right? So an online business would have an email newsletter. Those are like the leads that they have. They convert X number of those leads into customers and that's how their business runs. And so social media is great. If you get big on Instagram, it's great. If you get big on TikTok, it's great, but they can always shut down your account. Nobody right. can take away your email list, which is why it's the uh, best. Right, I have. hear you. Well, I'm building mine up, so. There we go. Yeah, good, okay. What? character trait do you most need to develop right now to make these dreams come true mm, more patience clearly 
I think as an intensive care physician, I was always get it done, get it done, do it now. It has to be just so. And and that's a those are good traits, very perfectionistic. Those are good traits for medicine, especially intensive care medicine. But in what I'm trying to do now, that causes me to be impatient and intolerant. And I need to develop more patience and more understanding of where I'm going and the help that I need and how to develop this. Yeah, for sure. Patience. That's a great one. I feel like that's pretty much the main one for everybody. <laughs> oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just feel like everybody could always be a bit more patient because when you extend your time horizon, honestly, a lot of stress goes away in life. Like a lot of things that we're stressed about, maybe for like us thinking forward or us thinking backward, like very seldom are there like immediate dangers right in the moment that are stressing us out. Because if there are, we're, we tend to be in action mode instead right. of right. thinking mode, if that makes right. sense. Right. So. Oh, it does. It does. Absolutely. Well, if there were one or two people that you can meet, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take this next step. You might have already met them with the social media guy or the VA, but yeah. who would that person be and how would they help you? Oh, wow. I always answer Hillary Clinton and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but they don't know any. Ruth is dead and Hillary probably doesn't know anything about this, but she does know about writing books. Um, I don't know the answer to your question. I need to talk to a millennial who knows this area. Mm. And there are a couple in Austin. My photographer is one and her friend who is in the corporate world is another. So that's a good person to talk to. I do have a couple of millennial friends that know about this area. There we go. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for pointing me in the right direction. Of course. And now we're going to jump into our thriving three. So our first okay. question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. My favorite movie is Terms of Endearment. Oh, I've never heard of that one. What is it uh, about? Shirley MacLaine is the mother of... A young woman, I think it's Deborah Winger, who marries this ne'er-do-well guy and has three or four kids and they can't afford their children. And then the the young mother develops uh, lymphoma, cancer. Uh, Shirley MacLaine lives next to an astronaut. It's set in Houston. <laughs> and the astronaut, the retired astronaut is Jack Nicholson. And so, oh, you got to see this movie. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, and it's about a mother's love. And, and Shirley MacLaine tries to get a relationship with Jack Nicholson, which doesn't work in the beginning, but it does work in the end. And it's all about family and love and acceptance and, and parents and neighbors. It's just, it's so beautiful on so many different levels because the, she and the astronaut are next door neighbors. And uh, I, lo I love it. It's just a classic movie. There Terms of Endearment. There we go. There we go. Terms of Endearment. I'll have to go check it out. Is it how? Uh, what year was it made in? Yeah, sorry. Probably 80s or 90s. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Maybe the 90s. It can't be as old as the 80s. I don't have my phone nearby, so 
can't answer you real quick. Gotcha. I'll look it up. I'll figure it out. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself? I'm an exercise nut. I do Pilates two or three times a week. I do bar twice a week. I work out with a trainer to keep my bones strong, to keep fit. I, I take long walks. Exercise is my way of keeping my brain and my mood where they need to be. Mm. It is so important. And I learned throughout my whole life. And I, I used to be a runner. I can't do that anymore. But it's the one thing that recharges my batteries uh, better than anything else. Gotcha. Yeah, I was about, when you hopped on and you said you were 70, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That is crazy. Yeah, uh, I am. Sorry to tell you. No, you look you look way younger. So that's uh, the Thank exercise you. is doing well for you. Thank you. Of course. And what is one? Well, I guess we already talked about this, so we can skip this one. I was going to say an action step, but we kind of listed three earlier right. about getting right. to dreams and goals. So now we're going to jump into our final series of questions. Okay. And these get a bit personal, so you don't have to answer all of them. They're nothing crazy, but um. They do talk about like beliefs and stuff that you have. So the first question. Oh, and if you don't want to answer, just be like, I want to pass and we'll, we'll pass. Okay. Okay. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Um, insecurity. Mm. Uh, lack of self-esteem. As Because well, I'm not sure what I'm doing in this area. As a physician, I was really sure of what I was doing. And so I'm more hesitant this time around than I used to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's insecurity. I guess it's insecurity. Yeah. And do you think it's just from not knowing what you're doing? Or did you also have that at points in your career as a physician? No, it's currently not knowing how to do what I want to get done. She's like, I was a boss physician. <laughs> no insecurity. <laughs> no, I was probably even a little bit of a snob when I was a physician because I was kind of always a little bit of a know-it-all. Anyway. I got you. Sorry for to admit that. <laughs> All good. For those of you who are listening and you're not watching this on YouTube, uh, the certainty that was in her face when she said no was so intense. Like I could feel the fact that there was no insecurity as a physician. So that's fantastic. Well, what actions do you take that reinforce that insecurity? So you feel insecure and then you take mm. an action based on that insecurity in this area of your life. Oh, I guess it's the pausing and the reading and the reflecting. And instead of going forward, um, and when I was practicing medicine, you know, I would read and and I had been trained properly. And if I didn't know something, I would go look it up and I would move forward. But what I'm doing now is way more hesitancy. Yeah. And so I think that's tripping me up. So I need to um, go with something. Gotcha. Yeah. Commit. I think that's what I need to do because that's what I used to do to be successful. I mean, I knew what I was doing and I would go do it. If I had to attend a high risk delivery of triplets, I would just run down there and be there for when the triplets were born and take care of them. So um, I need to think of practicing generativity like helping triplets. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
And if you were to change that limiting belief of the insecurity and lack of self-esteem into an abundant phrase that really speaks to your heart, what would that phrase be? Um, more compassion and understanding. I like that. For parents, for working parents, especially. Gotcha. And when it starts to take over, so you start to feel insecure, you start to procrastinate, what thoughts or actions do you resort to in order to take back control and start taking action? I say to myself, I can do this, that I am smart and that I'm capable and all I need is more expertise and more knowledge and I try to figure out how to get it. There we go. There we go. So I know how, I, I know what to do. I don't know why. I'm so I'm glad we're having this conversation. You're helping me a lot. Hey, happy to do it. That's what the show is for. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well we got one last question for you. Okay. And I want to frame this next question. It's gonna be a little longer, so stick with me. Um Alex Hormozy Actually, if you really want to get in the social media marketing game, check out Alex Hormozy on YouTube. He's really good at, um, they've grown a lot in the past year because of some of the stuff that they do. So he said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent. And I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations, but manipulation is about getting somebody to do something that you want them to do, while help is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and then helping them get there. And... Um, the intent behind this question is to help people not to manipulate them. Now, there's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And I actually found out from Dr. Alan Leica, who was a guest on the show, that you can make a horse drink. You just have to salt its oats. Now, I want you to think of a person with a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change. They also hate their life. They want it to be different. How can we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life, not make the decision for them, but create that environment. Um, we, we encourage them when they start to think about things differently, when they taste the salted oats, we're there to say, those are really pretty good oats, aren't they? And what a great choice you've made. Because the horse not wanting to eat the oats is like people not wanting to get better, get stronger, be okay, dump their addictions, get rid of their problems. And when they do decide they're ready to get better, dump their addiction, take care of their problems, if someone is there to say, that's it, you're doing it that that's it it's it gets it gets back to compassion again if we have compassion for someone clearly our intent is to help them not manipulate them mm, yeah you can't manipulate i i couldn't manipulate people that i'm having compassion for i, I just don't know how you would do that but I'm not passive aggressive. I'm <laughs> aggressive aggressive. So, um, hmm. but I think it's compassion. I think it's being present 
and saying to the other person, you're doing it. That's it. You're there. Keep going. And I, and those are different ways of being compassionate and being supportive, but that's what it takes. Awesome. I appreciate that. I think that's a great answer. Well, Dr. Susan, that's all we have for you. Is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? If your listeners want to know if they are burned out as a working parent, I have a free checklist on my website, susanlandersmd.com slash forward slash burnout. They, they should check it out. And I've also got a blog and a lot of resources for parents on my website and um, a forum where you can get in touch with me if you want to talk about parenting. Tim's got such a great idea. Boy, I love that idea. You have really made a difference. Good work. Thank you. Uh, so check out the checklist. It's free. And make sure you're not burned out, because if you are, you need some help. Been there, done that. (laughs) There we go. Well, if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Dr. Susan had to say, make sure to go to her website, check out the checklist, and share it with a friend that you know is going through the same thing. Thank you guys for watching the show. We will see you on the next one. All the ways to contact her will be down in the show notes. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.